Today's Local Lady podcast is brought to you by The Roasted Bean, located at 513 West Main. I think today sounds like a great day for their steak and craisin salad. The Roasted Bean is open for lunch and dinner. And on Friday nights, they have their prime rib dinner. It's a wonderful experience with the best staff. Make sure you go and check them out. It's time for this week's Local Ladies podcast. From the Porter's 10Cast studio, here are Bethany Valdez and from the Fremont County Good Samaritan Center, Tristine Grover. I guess, first off, just tell us who the Good, Fremont County Good Samaritan Center is and what you guys do for our community. The Fremont County Good Samaritan Center is our local emergency shelter. We are the only one in Fremont County. Our next closest one is Casper or Jackson. And so we serve all of Fremont County. We still have a lot of people that come from Riverton, but Lander, the reservation, we have some that'll come from Dubois. We kind of get a few that'll come into our community from other communities, but for the most part, it's all Fremont County local people. And how long have you guys been going? This is our 26th year. We were founded in 1992, and it was an outreach of the Casper rescue mission. It was the Riverton Reach Out. And then in 1994, they had decided to apply for a different 501c3 and become their own organization. Very cool. Um, I guess my last memory would have been when I was in high school, probably early 2000s, when we, um, Key Club came and did Meals on Wheels for people. for Thanksgiving. Right. So do you guys still do some outreach programs like that? or Our biggest one is through the Wyoming Food Bank of the Rockies, and we do what's called the Emergency Food Assistance Program. So anybody that is on food stamps or take part of any kind of programs that are similar power, um, they come in and we're able to hand out commodities that are government issued. And we are able to help. A lot of them are actually seniors or people with children. And it's people that are struggling with food and having that food assistance. Sure. Where do people get information for that or find that if they need it? Always put it on our Facebook page. Very good. And then on our answering machine, anybody can call. And I always have when our next one will be. And where's the pickup? It is at our facility. So 921 East Washington. And that's over behind the park? Correct. It's right across from City Park. Very good. Um, so we, I guess there's a lot of conversation going on about the Good Samaritan Center right now because you guys are currently closed down for repairs. Yes. And so do you kind of want to tell us a little bit of what's going on right now? So what happened is we were looking for more grant opportunities. We're trying to expand funding and bring in more resources into our program. And we had reached out to try to figure out how to grow that. And we ended up trying to partner with bigger organizations and try to do a merger and their ideas didn't really coincide with our our big picture is helping our community and having that as a stepping stone in order to get back up on their feet and we ended up through that we could find that there was things that we needed to fix in our our building our buildings we have our one that was at 917, that one has been through so many changes. It was a beauty salon, it was a beauty school, it was a mechanic shop. It's been a little bit of everything. And in order to have that building up to code, it's just going to take too much. And so we decided to really focus on our newer building, which is still 25 years old, and so it still has its quirks and its issues. But we um, decided to kind of merge into that building. And that kind of brought us to 
figuring out what all we needed to do to create that safe environment and make sure that we were able to better serve our community in that aspect. Uh, when I was watching your, I was going through your Facebook page and I thought that it was really, uh, you had posted all the different rooms and right. all the things that needed to be done. And there's a lot. Um, I thought one of the best posts though was talking about the children and how you yes. try to keep a safe private room. Can you kind of talk, because I, I guess being someone from Riverton, I was shocked to find that our homeless shelter services, people with children too, like I, I guess for myself, I look at my own kids, and that's just, like, something that it's... That's a really hard one. Having kids, I'm, it's really hard because you're at emergency shelter, and so you have to watch how they're going to be able to be in a safe place. You have to have them with their guardian, and so you can't really separate them. And, again, you're at a shelter. You're with multiple people, and it's already hard enough having all these different personalities, but then you bring kids into the mix, and thankfully, we're right across from City Park, which is wonderful because we're able to send the kids over there. They can play, and they're able to have that kind of space and not have to walk very far to get that. But having kids brings its own challenges, and it's really hard when you have mom. One of the first things I do, any client that comes through our door, the first seven days, I'm asking them to put in three to five job applications a day. And trying to drag kids around to do that is really difficult. Right. Um, and how many do you think that you guys have, like how many kids do you think you've had through the? In the last three years, I added it up the other day, we have had 40 children. And, and they're, I ages. can only think of a couple of them where they've had mom and dad, but usually it's single moms. And all ages? All the- ages. I think our oldest one was 17 and we've had them from birth. Right, right. Um, so how long are you guys, when somebody is in an emergency shelter, about how long do they stay there? Like, what's kind of the lifespan of that? We try to do 30 days. So the first seven days is we're looking for work. We're getting our IDs, anything that we need to work. Some of them will not have their social security cards, things like that. We know that eventually they're going to need birth certificates to get into rentals. And so we start right away making sure they have all their documents that they're going to need from the employment aspect, but also once they get into housing. And so that next week that they're there, they're following up with those 30 to 35 places that they put in jobs. And then we're doing a lot of the case management, trying to get them to go back and kind of focus on where they can really sink their teeth into and try to make something work so they can get that income because that income is what's going to make them so they can be successful. And so we tried to hit 30 days, but that's not always, you don't always get a job within two weeks. Paychecks take a little while and saving that money can be difficult. So we try to rely on other programs to help us kind of offset that cost and help them with rental deposits. Our new grant that we're starting in October, we're actually focused more on helping them with some of those things, getting them their clothing that they might need for work, and then also their documents, their bus passes to get to and from places and then also some of the rental deposits. Um, so what does the structure look for the Fremont County Good Samaritan Center as far as like employees and board members? Like how many of you guys are doing all of this work? So our biggest person that really affects how our whole program operates is our live-in staff. They are there. They can be a volunteer, but they're there. They are living at the shelter. And so we try to use somebody that has already been through our program. They know what our expectations are. They know the rules. And it's somebody that can relate to our clients. 
And finding that person is really difficult because it's not an easy task for anybody. And we are asking you to live with people and live in a homeless shelter. But they are our key person that really benefits our clients and it benefits our whole program. And then we have at times had a caseworker. And right now I'm being the caseworker and the director. And so that kind of helps us relate also because we have, I'm in the middle of doing all the grants. I know what they are expected and what's expected of the clients and where our goals are. And so when we do have a caseworker, we try to use somebody that has some kind of knowledge of addictions and has that human service degree so that they know what we're looking for. So we really like to use anybody that needs um, their volunteer hours or they're trying to do internships and they can come and get that job experience hands-on. And then kind of, uh, I know that Dr. Robert Marbert Marbet was in um, Fremont County last week or a couple weeks ago and um, was doing a study. He was appointed by the governor. Their organization was appointed by the governor to go through the top 10 communities. Um, Jared Anderson has a interview with him from last week on the County 10 podcast. Um, What was kind of your reflection on him coming through and and that kind of stuff. Well, at first we're kind of nervous because we have somebody that we have no idea who this is other than going on and you can do your own research on him and figure out that he deals with the homeless population. He's a consultant, but really we don't really have any other clue of who this is. He's outside of Wyoming. He doesn't know us from where he's from in Texas. And so the meeting that I had with him, I was really nervous because him and I met for maybe 15 minutes And it felt like I hadn't really been able to talk about my program. And he just got little tidbits of what we're doing. It wasn't really an in-depth thing. And so when his, when he went to the conference in Casper and was able to start talking about his findings, there was people that were able to go in there texting me and texting other people that are in our community. And they're talking about how great in Fremont County we have all these resources, and we're really good about networking and working together. And that was one big thing that he could really see is that networking ability that we really use. And so when he met up here in County 10 the other day, it was really nice meeting with him because all the things that we're seeing, he was able to see that. And he knows our struggles that we have in our area. And having somebody that was from the outside being able to see that made it so that it kind of helped reassure it's not we're on this on our own where we have somebody that understands where we're coming from and knows where we need to be. Very cool. Um, I, I think that during that um, interview with Jared, it was so interesting to talk about some of the myths. Right. So what are some of, um, I guess, because you're on the ground floor, in my opinion, you're working right. in this field day in, day out. What are kind of the myths that you see within our community? Well, especially with the homeless shelter, I think a lot of people, and it goes back to Dr. Marbet with the park rangers, which I hate that phrase, but it is kind of something that they use and they self-identify for the most part. And that is not the people that we're working with. That is not our homeless population. And people, that's who they see in Riverton. That's who they think our homeless population is. And that was a big myth that we have and one that we really want to focus on trying to change. It is, our homeless are not, they're our moms with our babies. They are our neighbors that have somebody that's one of their family members or their friends that is living with them. 
And they're going from house to house trying to find where they're going to sleep and where they're going to house their kids the next night. It is not somebody that is in the middle of their addiction and is doing nothing but drinking and living out on the streets by choice. All right. So then you guys have a board of directors and right now it only has three people. From Correct. <laughs> and so um, I remember at the Seesaw meeting when you were there, you were talking about what you can um that you guys are looking for new board members. Have you had any success finding any? We have had two. One of them was from the Seesaw program. And I had talked to her like the day, I think, before that was even going. And so it was really nice to put a face to her and be able to connect with her that night. And then we have a city council member that we're bringing on. And other than that, we still have our three board members. They have been doing this for so long, and they are ready to retire completely. They're still, we have one that is still working, but they're all in retirement age, or they're already retired. And they've been doing this for almost the whole time that we've been open. Our one that's been there the longest, she's been there for 23 years. And so we're ready to have some new blood and some people that are ready to help bring our community into this and realize I think there's a lot of people that don't even realize that we have a homeless shelter and what we really do for the community well and that's like kind of with my story I think the last time I really before your post a couple weeks ago the last time I'd really thought about the shelter was when I went for key club like and and it's terrible to think that we're just all kind of have that blind eye on it um we had talked a little bit before about um the one of his findings about like pet shelters and stuff like that so so one thing that we have seen and he saw that was different than in any other state he said the only place he's ever seen this is actually in wyoming and when he's going over county budgets and city budgets he's seeing that there is a lot of money that is going to animal shelters and then when you look at the goals for the city or for the county they are more for the community and so there's less funds that are going back into the community and so being able to see more of an equal balance would be really nice, being able to see that there's just as much money going into the programs that are about people and helping them achieve goals and be able to make our community stronger. Um, I think it's also interesting to think about our own shelter who is doing a phenomenal job. Like right. they have turned that place around in the last few years. And um, I think that it, also shows the power of a board, right. a, a good, strong board, and people who are fresh, and that maybe that getting new blood in there and having people step up to the plate that could make a huge difference for you guys. Well, one thing, too, that I really like about PAWS and the one thing that they bring into our community is that Honor Dog program. And it's connections like that that are so important to people that are dealing with homelessness, that are dealing with addictions, that are dealing with substance abuse or trauma. We have a lot of people that have gone through a lot of family violence. And so programs like that that are able to have that connection and they're doing a phenomenal job about being able to be a part of our community and help them. Right. Um, so that kind of takes me back to something I wrote down. You talked about some of your guys' as partners within the community and how you guys are kind of trying to create some networks. Who are your big partners that you guys So Eagles with? Hope is a big one, and then the domestic violence shelter. So if there's somebody that goes to the domestic violence shelter and she's full, she can't take on any more clients, they're able to come to our facility and we're able to house them in a safe environment for one thing, but also help kind of 
get back off of that resource that she has. She's able to send them to us. And then there's not always everybody that are willing to partake in what they have to do for her program. So they have to be willing to file a police report and be able to have an active investigation going. And that doesn't always, that's not always the best interest of the person that is trying to get out of that situation. But then Eagles Hope provides transitional housing, and then they have more support because of their substance abuse programs that they're really trying to have that sober living and that support. So when I have a client that is ready to transition out of the shelter, and especially if they're struggling with their substance abuse, and it's one that we really want to see them have more support, not just kind of go back out into the community without any support, we try to transition them up to Eagles Hope. Very good. And um, so you're able do you guys work at all with VOA and that kind yes. of stuff okay. so VOA especially with their veteran service coordinator she does everything with the homeless veterans so I love when I have a veteran come through because I know that we can get them housed in less than a week oh wow and so being able to have their program and then um, detox or center of hope that is also run by the VOA we definitely try to utilize if there's somebody that needs to go to treatment and that looks like it's more of something that they need than trying to get a job and get employment we try to help get them into VOA. So I guess from what I'm hearing and I don't know if this is what his his findings were but we definitely have a lot of resources it's just making everything so that it works more cohesive and having so that we can actually get people through and get you guys back and going. (laughs) Yeah I think that one of the things that he was really pushed for is trying to see where we were kind of using multiple resources and we're all doing the same thing but what he really found is there's not people that are doing the same services we're all providing a unique service and those of us in Fremont County are doing a really good job of being able to work together work together um so as far as getting you guys up and going again and having the um doors open so that you can how, how many people have you guys had to turn away up to this point um I think the word has finally got out enough that I'm not having to do it as much but when we first closed our doors it was no less than six households a week and some of those are most of those were including moms with I have my kids I have nowhere to go and so we had at least six that we were turning away and that's just households that's not individual people on average our summer is the busiest time where we average 15 to 20 clients a night and so not having that shelter for the summer really is hurting our community I guess that shocks me because I would think it would be more in the winter but no it's (laughs) crazy because I think a lot of it is because our people are from Fremont County you have families that are willing to put them up because it is winter time and once summer hits and they've caused problems or they're just kind of done of having them there or they're tired of going from one house to another that's when we see a lot of our clients. So there's another myth. <laughs> yeah, that's another myth. It is, it is the summer when it's busiest. Yeah, that's that's like, in the and not that this isn't still a problem, but when I'm driving around when it's negative 20, right. like my heart is always just breaking. But, yes. So it's very interesting to know that now is the busy time. Um, so what what's what is it going to take for you guys to get your doors open again? Definitely some more fundraising. New board members, like I said, I think that'll help us a lot on the fundraising too, is I think that we have so many people in our community that are invested in making our community better, but we need somebody that are in going to that um, community event that you guys had the other day. There's so many people that that's their biggest need is having board members and people that are wanting to help out in the community. 
Sure. Um, and then uh, we had kind of talked about beforehand about um, possibly having a contractor over the top so right. that people can donate their time as well as you guys get into more of the construction things. Yes, I'm hoping that I'm going to have a better timeline later on this week. It's fair week and I have <laughs> babies in the fair and so it's a little bit hectic this week, but I'm meeting with somebody tonight and I'm hoping that we have a better timeline by the end of the week of what we need and exactly what we're going to have to have in order to open back up. Right. And so like one of the big projects that I think back on with this is um, when they put in the sod at mm -hmm. the splash pad and they hit the city had planned on it being a two week, a two day project. And it ended up taking us two hours because right. enough people showed up. And so, and it, so how much money that saved the city. And if we can have enough people show up to your guys's efforts, I feel like it could be a similar situation where we could save you guys lots of funds by just right. having hands there. Well, so. a lot of our stuff, our building to be up to code is cosmetic. I mean, it's little things. We have our bathroom tile was cracking. And so we're having to rip up all the tile and replace the flooring. It's, we have that building, the drywall is so thin. So anytime anybody's bumped the wall or anything, there's holes that we have to repair. So there's lots of little cosmetic things that are really easy to fix, but it's going to take time and materials. Did anybody that can come to you? Like, anybody so I can, can come, come. <laughs> I, we all have our own skills and our yes. own gifts. And it's amazing when you put people together, what you can accomplish. Right. So, um, make sure, uh, we'll make sure that we get that information out when you get like times for people to. Yeah, I've kind of broke it down to like that's why I put it on Facebook is having the different rooms so people know this is what we need to focus on on this area, and that way they can kind of see this is what we're trying to do. And then obviously, you guys will also take any kind of um, money contributions. Oh yes, anyway. monetary <laughs> donations are greatly appreciated yeah. and very much accepted right now. Right, and they and are I'm, tax deductible. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, so if we can't give. Time time yeah. there's always money no <laughs> and once we get where we are starting with our roof because that's our biggest project and probably our biggest cost right now then we'll be able to say this is where we're doing all of the materials if you want to just go donate onto our account you sure. can be able to do that cool very well that's that's very good I think that that's going to be something we can just get the community behind um what is your guys's target for being able to open again like as far as being able to like weather-wise in Wyoming and that I really want to be open by September. I wanted to be open like three months ago, but <laughs> I really want to be open in September because October, I am really excited about our new grant period and being able to utilize the different things that we're trying to create and being able to start that and be able to open up before that starts would be awesome. Very good. Um, I guess one of the things that um, I really... Uh, by listening to the podcast from last week and then talking to you today, when I first started Local Ladies, one of the biggest parts for me was I kept thinking somebody should do this thing, somebody should do this thing. And it finally, I finally realized that I was somebody and that there's probably somebody listening to this, we would hope still. <laughs> but um, so I'm interested on getting the information to becoming a board member and helping in this effort. So um just moving forward and where is it best if other people are feeling like I am and like just shocked by finding out these myths that 
I've always thought or perceived or haven't even bothered thinking about, where can they find information? Um, like, are you get Facebook and that kind of stuff? Facebook, I'm trying to be more active on and trying to get as much information as possible. When we do have clients, we're kind of bound, kind of similar to HIPAA laws, and not everybody's wanting them to know that they're at the homeless shelter. That's something that they're having to be able to have that courage enough to even come to the homeless shelter, let alone have somebody look at them differently. Because I think we all have this idea of what homelessness looks like, and it's nothing close to what everybody has in their head. And it comes back to that Wyoming pride. Yes, but very we're, we're all so. very stubborn. And that, that was kind of um, Dr. Marbert Butt's um, podcast last week. He said that we think these people come from somewhere else, but they're no. our neighbors, they're our friends. They, they are. We would probably be shocked. Yeah, and these are the people, if they do have a job or when they do get a job, these are the ones that are your cashiers. These are the ones that are going out and helping do stuff so that you can spend time with your family and that you're enjoying your community. Right, right, right. So um, Facebook and then where else would? Just come and talk to me. I am so open to coming and showing you what we have going on and being able to, I think once you are able to actually see what we do and what we have, you'd be really surprised about what we can accomplish with as little as we really have. Very good. All right. Well, did you have anything else to add for today? I don't think so. Unless people want to volunteer on... For our TFAP, we always are looking for volunteers to help us hand out food. That is one. I usually have clients that are helping, so now it's my kids. And <laughs> What day did that change So to? our first one is going to be August 1st. August 1st, and yes. it's at the shelter. Yes, All at right. 1, and it's always going to be on a Thursday at 1 p.m. 1 p.m., and um, can you give the address again? 921 East Washington. 921 East Washington. All right. Um, I guess... One of the things that I want to do with this is what is your biggest dream for Riverton? It can be shelter wise or just in general, like where, what kind of projection do you big, small, like what do you want to see in our community? I would like to see us have more of that Riverton pride. I think that that's been a big movement and I love seeing that. I think about how Lander is and how big they are on their community. And it is so easy for them to go and have that connection that people have. And I think Riverton needs to have that more. They're starting to get it, but there's so much more room to grow with that and having that connection to our city. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. And we'll um, be in touch a lot more, I'm guessing. Sounds great. (laughs) Today's Local Ladies Podcast is brought to you by The Roasted Bean. Located at 514 West Main, they are open for lunch and dinner. My favorite is the steak craisin pecan feta salad. The Local Ladies Podcast is recorded and produced in the Porter's 10Cast Studios in the County10.com offices. To contact the show, email 10Cast at County10.com. Follow Local Ladies on Facebook. And for more Fremont County podcasts, like 10Cast on Facebook and Twitter. Join Bethany Baldez again next week for more Riverton Local Ladies. I used to shoe horses used to shear sheep. I worked at a feedlot quite a while. I grew up dreaming of buying a ranch and raising cattle and horses in style, but life pulled a fast one. Time took a turn. Fate pulled that wool over my eyes. You see, it takes more than hard work and dreaming to buy a ranch and survive. So then I bought cattle, I traded horses, I sold feed, I worked for the Livestock Gazette, doing whatever it took to stay close to that land never yet. I was in ag broadcasting, 
in the ranch real estate. And my hat, my boots, and my gloves drawing a check as I went down the road from the people that I wished that I was. Well, I know I've been lucky. They had all these jobs. They let me stay close to the land. I'll never own that ranch in my dreams, but maybe I can lend you a hand. This is Jack Schmidt. I'll soon be starting a new podcast here on County 10, a podcast about food, about local food, and specifically about the genesis of the Riverton Local Food Hub. If your response to this is, why? There's, there's plenty of food right here in the local stores. Well, we kind of need to talk. We do have a website, theriverdoodlocalfoodhub.com, and also a Facebook page. Leave us a message and a comment, and stay tuned, because here we go. Jack Schmidt, County Tip. Good thing.